You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Hello. <laughs> Buenas noches. Como están? You were singing in Spanish with me. I heard you. That was beautiful. That was great. Great to be with you all. I appreciate Robin just confessing and saying that he's tired. Anybody else here tired or exhausted? Okay, I got a word for us tonight because I'm tired. I got in last night. The, the Normally, like, jet lag and stuff doesn't affect me so much, but, man, last night I was like an insomniac until about 2.30 in the morning. Uh, I flew up last night, and uh, I'm just glad there is no hurricane. Last year, do you guys remember last year? If you were here last year, uh, flew in. I was, it, was like, it was supposed to hit. And I was like, Daniel, we good? And he was like, what time's your flight getting in? And I said five, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's not supposed to hit till seven. You're good. <laughs> yeah, just a two-hour window with a terrible hurricane. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles... Uh, turn with me to, uh, we're going to look at a couple verses of Matthew. Um, I think most of you know me, although there are a lot of new faces here. So my name is Jason Sanchez. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as the director and president of House of Blessing, which we have been serving down in Mexico um, for the past 11 years. In fact, was it really when we went down there, you guys came out here? Like 11 years ago, about that time. So Daniel and I, we were, we were youth pastors. Uh, he was in Olympia. I was in Puyallup, Washington. And then God, in a way that only God does, he changes things. How many of you have had changes in your life? How many of you have uh, struggled with those changes? How many of you now have an understanding or you have been able to embrace those changes? That was actually one of the things that we talked about last time I was here a year ago was just the change that God brought forth from uh, after six years of doing ministry and serving in one way. And uh, so before we get into that, um, do the, are the pictures working? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, so let's, let's stroll through these pictures together just to give you an idea. So our ministry that we have is House of Blessing. And like I said, we've been serving in Mexico. So when the Lord called us to go down, he basically was like, I want you guys to sell everything. I want you to pack it up. And I want you to head south to El Paso, Texas. And then further south, about five hours to this small town, 2,500 people, Bashiniva, Chihuahua, Mexico. And uh, now, of course... Uh, when we were telling people we were going to Mexico, everyone just started throwing out, oh, Cancun, Mazatlan, uh, Monterrey, where are you going? I was like, Bashiniva. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, where's that? And I was like, eh. It's a mile high and a half high up in the Sierra Madres, in the middle of nowhere, dry, uh, deserty, windy. And they're like, why would you go there? And honestly, for a little bit, we were feeling like, why are we going there? God, why... Would you call us to leave all of our comforts, to leave everything that we have grown accustomed to, to go down? Can you go back to that first slide? And then I'll cue you as we go through these. 
So we came down, uh, we, the connection that we have with Bashiniva is my uncle is from that town. And so I've been going down there since I was 16 years old, so since 1996. Uh, so it wasn't like we just closed our eyes, threw a dart on the world map, and it hit Bashiniva, and we went there. There was kind of some connection that we had. And so as we went down there, just believing that God was desiring for us to start an orphanage or a children's home. And so we found this property, which this is what it used to look like, a 40-acre apple orchard, and this is what it looks like now as God has just continued to grow it. Uh, so I had to do two pictures. This is a brown, not pretty looking picture, and then this next one. Daniel actually took this next picture. Doesn't that look prettier? with all that green. Everybody's like, ooh, I didn't realize how green it is. I was like, no, it's not usually like that. It is usually like the desert uh, that you saw. But this is our, that's what that apple orchard was. And this is what it is now, and it continues to grow. So that big building right there in the middle, that served as our children's home orphanage where we cared for over 65 kids um, for six years. And that's what we were doing, and God was blessing it, and, and um, this church has been a huge part of it from the beginning. Raise your hand if you've been down on one of the mission trips. It was awesome. Then we got blessed by Lisa coming down. Uh, this wonderful couple entrusted my wife and family with the care of their daughter who just blessed us immensely, came down doing English classes, just loving on people. It was so good. So, so you have walk this journey with us, whether you've come down to visit us, whether you have, uh, this church supports us financially, um, whether you show up next Saturday, this is my little pitch for our golf tournament. See, last time I was here, we had already had the golf tournament, but now you got a week to clear your schedule on Saturday to come out and do our golf tournament. And check this out. You don't have to be a golfer to be in the golf tournament. This is, we do two big fundraisers a year in which we uh, try to raise as much money as we can to bless the school down there. Last year, between our Washington tournament and the Florida tournament, we donated over $20,000. This year, we are hoping to donate over $25,000. Uh, I just came back from our Washington golf tournament. We raised close to $14,000. So next Saturday, if you are interested in coming out, if you want to play, you don't have to be good. We'll just put you on a team. We'll put you on Joe's team or somebody's team who's good or Mike's team. I've got a team. Oh, he's got a team. <laughs> you can come out. You can volunteer. Uh, you can just give whatever that looks like. But that is so whether it's special events, whether it's coming here, sitting here, whether it's checking out our table that we have in the back. Uh, anytime I travel, I try to bring up um, handmade goods that, from women that we hired down in Mexico to help provide jobs. And so all of the donations and everything that takes place, it's all to be able to send to the work that we're doing down in Mexico. Um, my family, when we went down there, this is, um, I got a picture of what my family looked like when we moved down there. That is me with less gray, and that, I just look super young there. That is my lovely wife, who has not aged at all, still gorgeous. And that is our beautiful daughter, who we adopted from Ethiopia, brought her home when she was 11 months, and then moved her to Mexico when she was 24 months. So three countries, by the age of two, she's bilingual. By the time she was like three, 
Uh, and so that was our family then. This is a, a more updated picture. Um, that little girl on the far end is not a little girl anymore. It's my beautiful daughter who I just pray. How many dads are in here have daughters? We need to start a club, <laughs> prayer club, just to pray for each other as our young, beautiful daughter, and, and sons too, okay? You can't, you can't dog on boys. Boys are great, but there's just something. Dads, they're daughters, and especially when they're beautiful. And then the one next to my wife, this is Natalia, and many of you know that we have been in the process of adopting her. And so I have some exciting news. We, we did our home study with our social worker, uh, and we sent that off um, last month, and now we are in, I think, the third phase of just more paperwork and stuff. But Natalia has been in our care um, for over seven years, and we are excited to have her forever be a part of our family. So uh, went from a family of three to a family of four. Natalia is 14, onto is 13. And so through the pandemic, as many of you know, um, God changed things. How many of you, things were changed in your life as a result of the pandemic, right? Just kind of life in general was changed. That was one of the things that I shared on last year that I was here. We looked at Isaiah and just this idea where the Lord is saying, behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And we talked about the importance of understanding who is doing the new thing. Because it says, I am doing the new thing. It's not that God calls us and says, all right, Jason and Jackie, uh, pandemic's over. Now it's time for you to do a new thing. No. The Lord speaks and says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And it's as if he says, would you like to be a part of it? Would you like to go on this journey and this venture, or even more so, he basically says, I want to use you, which is incredible. And it's incredible what the Lord can do. And so as we prayed and as we looked at what it would mean for our ministry and our organization, the orphanage side of things closed down. We started a program to relocate the kids with their families. That was a huge blessing because now we were ministering to families, not just children. And so things were going well. God continued to provide. However, we still had this massive property, 40 acres, all these buildings, and they were empty. And it was like, Lord, what are you going to do? Well, he spoke, he moved, and he led us in the direction to start a private Christian school. Obviously, education after the pandemic wreaked havoc just everywhere. And uh, I hear that even up here in the States, it still <laughs> has caused problems, people trying to play catch up. And well, in Mexico and in a third world country, it was even worse. And so the need that God began to reveal was just an open door to minister to kids and families through education. And so we began to pray. We began to process what would this look like. None of us had done a school before. Our team, doesn't, we are not teachers. We are not educators. We are nothing other than people who want to love and serve and want to pray. And so as the Lord began to speak, we began to really think through and talk through, okay, how is this possible? 
And so I shared with you, I was here, it was October last year, and so we had started our first year, kindergarten through junior high. We anticipated an initial 18 to 20 kids just from our church down there that would probably be crazy enough to pay 50 bucks a month and go to a school with people that don't really know what they're doing. Well, when it was all said and done, we had 53 students enrolled. So we've got, I got another picture here. This was our school picture, kindergarten through junior high. I don't know how word spread, but it spread like wildfire, and people kept coming and coming and coming and registering and registering, and it got to a point where we didn't have enough teachers, we didn't have the resources, and all this stuff, so we thought, okay, this is real. We need to figure this out. Uh, Daniel, who sits on the board of House of Blessing, and my brother, they came down. They were there for the, the first week of classes, right? Yeah. First few days. Daniel took all these pictures. They were, they were doing drones and footage, and it was like, okay, this is like legitimate. These kids are coming from all over the place for education. And it was humbling, and it was sobering, and it was eye-opening, and it was exciting, and it was exhilarating, and it was nerve-wracking, as all of a sudden you're just entrusted with the education of kindergartners to, high school, uh, to junior hires. And fortunately, God brought us the right personnel, the right staff, the cooks, the, the director, the, the teachers, and all of this. And, and I have to say, I will admit, our first year uh, was really, really great. You guys came down. What did you guys think when you were down there? Right? You saw the kids. You saw what was going on. These girls, having um, these junior hires down there hanging out with our kids, you guys, it was just great, right? Seemed, seemed good. Um, but in the midst of amazing things, it can be exhausting. And it was, I think, probably the, the um, uh, adrenaline and just the go, go, go is what kept pushing and pushing and pushing and the constant um, working and things and then just the realizing, wow, how badly we need to be refreshed and be filled by the Lord. Like how are we going to give to these kids who are paying and they're coming and they're, they're learning math and history and science uh, and then Bible classes and music classes and art classes. And these parents are just entrusting you with the education of their kids that's a big responsibility. And so as a, as a staff and as a team, it was so important for us. I think of Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Brothers and sisters, who does it say does amazing, wondrous things? God. It does not say you. It does not say Daniel or Robin or Jason. It says God. Who does the new thing that we saw in Isaiah? God. Okay? So let's just get the foundation right right now. It is all about God and what he wants to do. 
Now, he is choosing to use Pastor Daniel and his wife for the past 11 years and this wonderful team of people to minister here through Redemption Church, but it is about what God wants to do in his church. And it's the same thing in your lives. This morning, I was teaching at Proclaim Church, and part of their series, it's it's Love Bomb series, and uh, so we were talking about love and how the Bible says we love why? Because he first loved. Who first loved us? God. So he's the one that's doing a new thing. He's the one who alone does wondrous things. And he's the one that loves us first. So we must always keep in mind that it is about God. And then we can marvel at the fact that he wants to use people like us. Are you ever amazed at that? You guys ever get amazed that like God Why would you want to use me? Daniel and I talk about it all the time because we are not super awesome educated dudes. We went from youth pastors to Florida and Mexico and fumbling and trying to figure things out and that's why I so appreciate his friendship and um, the encouragement and the blessing and just the, the walking through, trying to figure out what all this means, realizing that we are nothing apart from God, how important it is to connect with God, and how difficult it is when we are not. Does that make sense? When we try to do things on our own, it's exhausting. I mean, life is exhausting. Even when you're walking with Jesus and you're following and you're serving, life in general is exhausting, but trying to do that on your own, apart from a God who loves you, who saved you, who redeems you, and wants to use you, wow. So the year finishes and we're thinking, okay, I guess God really has this to be a school We started open registrations. We sent out messages to our students uh, that were already enrolled in the school. We said, hey, uh, it's the time of the year when all the schools in Mexico do pre-enrollment. If you're interested in coming back, we're just trying to get a a, a game plan. We, We factored, okay, we think this many of our current students of the 53 students will come back, so maybe we'll have this. You know what, I'm, I don't know why I try to figure out God. Because we went from 53 to 93. We went from 53 kindergartners to junior high to 93 kindergartners, and we started a high school. Now, got a couple more pictures to walk through what life is like now. This is, I don't know how many kids are, there's just kids everywhere on our campus, (laughs) just everywhere. It's crazy. We, and they're coming from farther out. There's some kids that come uh, 30 minutes away. And we were trying to figure out how in the world are we going to provide transportation for 65 kids who are, and listen, this is a private Christian school that charges a tuition of $55. Now that is nothing up here compared to tuition in the States. But down there where the average uh, wage is $10, $12 a day, that is a lot. 
And some of our families have two or three kids there, but they kept coming and they kept coming. And we even increased the tuition five bucks. But we did that to hire a few more teachers and we shot up to 93 and we have a waiting list already for next year. We're a month into this year and there's a waiting list. There's families that keep calling saying, could you please take? So it's like, whoa. We thought last year was intense and exhausting. We were two weeks into it and you could just look on the face of our staff and our teachers. And my lovely wife teaches 12 kindergartners, 11 girls and one sweet little boy named Liam who thinks he's El Rico Guapo dude. That's just like... <laughs> Hola, senora. I'm like, dude, you are five years old. He's straight up holding the door for these girls. I mean, this guy is more chivalrous than most grown men down there. So you look at the faces of our staff after a few weeks, and everyone is just kind of like deer in the headlights, like, what is happening? But you look at the faces of the kids, and all you see is smiles and joy. So here's a few more pictures. Um, what do we have next? Uh, we, one of the emphasis that we have is um, our English program. And uh, it was so great when Lisa came down, we were able to do, uh, offer classes throughout the summer. Our summer break was three, almost three months. Our teachers were loving it. Kids hated it. I've never seen kids. I don't know if it's this way in the state. Would you guys be opposed to a three-week break, a three-month break for summer? Would you want to go back? Parents, that's a little too long, don't you think? You're like, isn't it time for you to go back to school? So kids were like, when are you guys going to start school again? We would see them at church. We would see them in the town. We would see them throughout the community. Oh, why, why are we taking so long to start school? And every time I was, we, that would happen, I'm with my wife. She's like, nope, we ain't going. <laughs> we ain't starting back until August. So we did these English classes during the summer, and we had, I don't know, 20-plus kids that signed up and came out for these two weeks of classes. So this is one of our English teachers. A couple more pictures. Um, so the other thing that, that was so kind of mind just blowing our minds is we made sure that people understood this is not just a Christian school, but this is a, a Christ-centered, Jesus-loving school. So if your child is going to come here, uh, they're going to hear about Jesus. And we, we made sure that we didn't try to candy coat it or anything else. It's it, now, we weren't like, we're going to convert your children type stuff, but it was, we, uh, here are our values. Here is what we believe. Here is what we do. And I surely, oh, me of little faith, I thought between charging people and then it being a, a, a Jesus-centered school, that that would deter people. But it was the opposite of that. It's as if that is drawing people. And the conversations that we're having with our students. And then them going home and sharing with their families. And then the conversations we're having with families. It's like, the, it's like the, a little glimpse of this revival, I think, that God is wanting to do through a school. Every morning, the kids gather for chapel for about 15, 20 minutes. And we do a Bible study. 
And um, it's not like a feel-good message. In fact, I was telling Proclaim Church this morning, uh, on Wednesday, uh, I was walking through and saying hi, and, and I, I came into the chapel service, I came into the back, and our kids were just, I mean, you could tell, they're not messing around, they are just focused. Well, our pastor that was sharing, he, there, he had something on fire in front, and I thought, well, that's why they're, they're paying attention, because you're burning something. And then me thinking, is this safe? What is going on? Well, he's a camper, and he brought this little Bunsen burner stove, and he was using it as an illustration for the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jesus being in the fire. And our students were talking, especially my daughter and her friends who are in junior high, about how amazing that devotional and chapel service was. Uh, and then throughout the week, um, three to four hours uh, throughout the week, the students get Bible class. And that's where our pastors are teaching them the word of God. And uh, so we had two students that graduated last year from our junior high, and immediately they started saying, are you guys gonna start a high school? And I think initially we just thought no, but God said, well, I would like to. I'm going to, <laughs> and here's the plan. And so we did, and we have five students in our high school. This is our, our high school room. They do an online program, which is 20 hours of online classes, and then the rest are um, like biology and, and art and music um, in-person classes. So a couple more pictures. Um, so we ran out of space. We ran out of space before we even had kids when we knew what the enrollment was and how we could maybe survive a few months with putting kids, literally shoving them in every nook and cranny in space. Um, our sixth graders are in our storage closet. We fit five desks in there. Uh, my music room, where I teach music class, sometimes it's in the library, sometimes it's in the computer lab, sometimes it's in our coffee shop, sometimes it's in the dining hall. So we have been rushing to do this building project. This is our new 3,000 square foot um, building that will host our junior high and our high school students. So five classrooms, offices, bathrooms, storage. We had teams that came down all summer who worked so incredibly hard to do this thing. We got one more picture. The building is so close. In, sec in fact, we set a date as long as there's light, doors, and windows in Mexico, that's good. You can just go for it. So uh, we are a few weeks away from moving the kids in there. But here's what's crazy. Even with that, we know that that will just be a temporary fix um, for the time being as the Lord continues to want to, to grow and expand that. And I think, uh, is that it for the pictures? That is our new logo. What do you guys think? That's nice, isn't it? One of our teachers, our high school teacher, I didn't even know she was an artist and a graphic designer. We were talking about logo. I was talking with Dan, uh, Daniel. He's like, I ain't got no time. Uh, I was talking to another guy who happened to be named Dan. He was like, I ain't got no time. And so all of a sudden, she sends me a message with something like this. I was like, it was like the heavens open. Oh, and I was like, where in the world has this been? She's like, oh, I have this little business and blah, blah, blah. So 
The kids are so excited. When do we get our uniforms? Oh, can we put that on a sweatshirt? Can we put that on a hat? Or we did this. And, and when we play games, we can be like, we're the lions. And I was like, whoa. So, man, God just doing incredible things. However, as I mentioned, there's a couple things I want to talk about before we close up. And it's this. Man, it is exhausting. And there's a couple things that we've got to keep in mind, and we've been talking about this, this idea that it is God that is doing it, okay? But the other thing is, if God is doing it and he wants to use us, are we connected with him? Like, are we going to him? That's one thing we've been trying to, to drive home to our teachers. Listen, you guys have a greater opportunity than just teaching math and science and history. How can we bring Jesus into the classroom? Um, I teach music class two days a week when I'm not traveling, and um, everyone just wants to learn instruments. And we're getting there, but because I don't have a room, we've been doing different projects and stuff. And so the, the most recent project is I gave six passages of scripture um, to the students, and I say, okay, here's your, here's your assignment. You need to read this, and you need to identify the theme. Tell me what your favorite verse or what you liked about it, and how is worship a part of this because all six of these passages have to do with worship. And I threw some in there, obviously, like Psalm 150 that talks about praising with the heart, praising with the gong. Um, one from Romans, your spiritual act of worship. But the first one was from Genesis 22. And so I was in there with our high school students and they're do, working on it and, and one of them says, um, what translation does your Bible say? Because this doesn't talk about worship. And so we read a different translation, and it's the part where, where um, Abraham and Isaac, right? God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. And so when they go, and Isaac says, wait here, the lad and I are going off to worship, and we will return. Well, in the Spanish translation, one of the Bibles they were using, it didn't say anything, but in a different translation. So, so uh, uh, one of the other students had a different translation, and he read it, and they were all like, oh, it says worship. And then they were talking about, but that, well, they're not singing. How is that worship by being told to kill your son? So it's just opening up these conversations what does it mean in Romans when Paul says your, your spiritual um, act of worship, right? And so we've been saying to our teachers, hey, incorporate Jesus into what you're doing. Whether it's in history, whether it's in math, whether it's in science, look for ways so kids can continue to connect things with Jesus. But before that, you gotta make sure as a teacher that you are connected with Jesus, that you are being filled, that you are being encouraged. Because as many of you know the phrase, you can't give often what you don't have. So how can we give 
to these kids if we're not receiving and being filled? And that's what I want to touch on. It's just a couple verses. I know all of you are probably familiar with them. In Matthew 11, if you're with me, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says this. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here we have Jesus A simple message. How many of you have heard these verses before? How many of you have have used or applied these verses before? Oh, come to me, all who are labor, having laden, or depending on your translation, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound so satisfying? Jesus inviting us, saying, hey, if you are tired, if you are weary, if you are heavy laden, if you are burdensome, come to me and I will give you rest. So we say that all the time, we share that all the time, we, we, we think about it all the time, verse 28. But there is so much more that I think Jesus is implying, not just in verse 28, but in verses 29 and 30 as well. You see here, there is an invitation from Jesus that requires a response. Jesus here is saying, hey, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. It's not a get over here right now or you're in trouble. It's an invitation. It's Jesus saying, hey, listen, I see you're tired. I see you're weary. I see your struggle. And even not just for those who are tired and weary, it's his desire for all, right? Because the scripture says he does not wish for any to perish, but what? but all to come to repentance. But here, specifically, he's speaking to those who who labor and are heavy laden or burdensome or weary. So it's an invitation that requires a response. And depending on the response, you get a result, right? That's usually how it works. My nephew just got married uh, in, in July. Uh, and so uh, our whole family, we went up to Seattle for the wedding, which by the way, weddings are so like hip and cool these days. My wedding was not hip and cool. And that was like 18 years ago. I know that's not like a long time ago. It kind of seems like a long time ago. But our reception was not in like a barn with lily fields in the background and sunset. We were in a school cafeteria uh, with you know, you're just trying to do what you're kind of trying to do. Uh, you know, we did tuxedos from Men's Warehouse. I don't even know if those exist anymore, Men's Warehouse. But nowadays, it's just you have to be cool. There's 85 people in your wedding parties, and you have hipster clothing. And then it just costs a lot of money. So we, we get this invitation. And then the invitation, it was digital, and there was a website. Like, have you guys gotten these invites before? It's just all, like, top-notch, professional. 
And I kept getting these reminders like, you haven't registered. And he kept sending me these emails. Hey, Jason, I was like, holy smokes, okay. So finally, I was like, yeah, we're going to the wedding. Okay, <laughs> responded. And then it sends you the link to their registry. I mean, when we registered for stuff, we walked into like Bed Bath & Beyond, which doesn't exist anymore. They give you a gun and you just start scanning stuff. You remember those days? And maybe some of you got married even longer before and they didn't do that. I don't know how that worked, but now there's these, it's all digital, it's all online, it's all beautiful. But here's the thing, it's an invitation that is in need of a response and then you get something out of it, right? So here Jesus is saying, hey, the invitation has come to me. And the response is, if you come, I will give you rest, okay? So, for us tonight, just a reminder of this, like who are we coming to? Who are we running to? I must admit, in that first year of the school, um, I felt so busy and so tired that I felt too busy for God. Have any of you felt that before? Not just like with devotions, but just you're going, you're doing good. It's not like you're in a bunch of sin or anything. You're just going, you're going, you're doing ministry, you're serving, you're being involved. And it's just like, I'll do that later or I'll do that later. And it's as if we just, we're, we're pushing the one who needs to fill us and recharge us to the side because we're so busy. Or we're running to other things rather than responding to the greatest invitation. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. To Jesus himself we must come by a personal trust, not to doctrine, not to ordinance, nor ministry are we to come first, but to the personal Savior. Let me read that again. I love it. To Jesus himself we must come by a personal trust, not to doctrine, ordinance, nor ministry are we to come first. I would even add there, not to church, not to events, not to discipleship groups, not to community groups uh, first, but to who? The personal Savior. Now, that is not to say that all these other things aren't important. They are very, very important. I heard you ladies had a raging time last night at the Williams house. I got there right after I think the chaos left. <laughs> but there was just a lot of treats and smelly candles, and it just looked nice. Dudes never have events like that. Meat, guns, weapons, hatchets, something to throw to chuck. I mean, that was just done so well. Those things are great. And community groups and all these things that we're talking about. But listen, that can never take the sole place of God. Church cannot take the place of your personal relationship with Christ. You can come to church all you want. You can be religious all you want. 85% of Mexico identifies as Roman Catholic. I don't know what the statistic is now for Christians in the United States. I'm sure it's pretty high. Anybody know? Daniel? I think at one time it was like 80% or something of people that said that they were 
uh, identified with Christianity. Listen, it's the personal Savior. It's Jesus. It's the one who died for you. It's the one who came to earth, left the right hand, the right side of the Lord, who humbled himself, as Philippians talks about. He came to earth, took on the form of man, being obedient to the Father, to then go to the cross, die an unbelievable, horrendous death because he loves us and because he wants to invite us to come to him, to receive from him, to have him come in and change our life, and then to be used by him. I love this idea of coming to Jesus, running to Jesus. Hebrews 4.16, let us come with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, lastly, I want to just point out verse 29 and 30. Because Jesus repeats this idea of come to me and I will give you rest, but it, it, he says it in a different way. Come to me, verse 20, all who retire labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you've got your Bible, your phone, I would encourage you to highlight and underline the part that says learn from me. Because here is, it's as if this gets better. Jesus invites us. He says, hey, come to me, and I will give you rest. But not only will I give you rest, I'm going to give you something more. I'm going to give you the opportunity to take my yoke upon you, and what? And learn from me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me. This word learn is methano, which is a derivative of the word methetis, which is basically the word for disciple or apprentice. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I don't want you to just come on Sunday, hang out at the afterglow, get encouraged, and then wait until the next Sunday. I want you to come to me so I can give you rest, and then I want you to keep coming as a disciple or as an apprentice so that you can learn from me. So not only does Jesus want to give us rest, not only does he save us, not only does he want to use us, not only does he want to work in us, but he wants to teach us and he wants us to learn from him. I think oftentimes people view church, community groups, and stuff as a power nap. How many of you like power naps? Or how many of you, when you're nappers, you like go out? My wife, it's like I'm going to bed, it's pajamas, middle of the day, in bed, lights out, see you in two or three hours. Me? classic guy, lay my head back on my man chair, watching football 20 minutes later. Whew, all right, I feel energized. 
I think that's sometimes how we handle these verses, especially if we just focus on verse 28. Okay, I can come to Jesus, I can get refreshed, I can get rested, I can feel good, and then I can go about my life, I can go about things, and then I'm going to go back to this, and it's this ongoing circle. But Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I want you to avoid this ongoing washer-dryer type circle of, of being filled up and then being emptied and being encouraged and then being discouraged. I want you just to keep coming to me so that I can teach you so that you can learn from me. So that you can press into me. So that this is something more than just a Sunday morning or Sunday evening connection time. It's a daily following of me. Coming after me. Seeking me. Taking my yoke. This idea of yoke uh, when they were training a new animal, such as an ox to plow, the uh, farmers would yoke the older or stronger, more experienced animal who bore the burden and helped guide the young animal through the learning process. So the idea is Jesus is saying, hey, take my yoke upon me. I want to help carry that burden. What does the Bible say? Cast our cares upon who? Upon him, upon the Lord. See, you guys, we have a God that loves us so much. Yes, he died for us. And yes, he saved us. And yes, he wants to come in and change us. And yes, he wants to use us. But he also wants to teach us. And we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords that is saying, come to me and I will teach you. I have no idea what I am doing with the school thing. And I say that in all honesty. I am not like Robin, Mr. Lakeworth Teacher of the Year. What did you win? Florida Teacher of the Year or something? Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County. I'm just Palm Beach County. <laughs> One day I will win Bashinaba County Teacher of the Year, Jason Sanchez. <laughs> that is so awesome that he is a teacher and an educator and, and he has a certificate and, and he is blessing and ministering to kids. And even having him sit there and, and hearing that we're talking about school, you can feel a little intimidated or like, what do I have to offer if I've not done this, right? How can God use me if I've not done this? Well, if I haven't gone to seminary, how can God use me as a pastor? Well, if I haven't done this, how can God use me? That is the mystery of God who says, you just come to me. You give your life to me, you follow me, and then I will train you, and I will teach you, and I will use you. I mean, look at what he did with the disciples, the apostles, uneducated, untrained men who had been with Jesus, who had spent time, what? Following Jesus as disciples, as apprentices, as students, learning from Jesus. Um, I was reminded of this. I don't know if I shared this last time, but I was on an airplane and chatting with this lady, and, and she was like, well, what do you do? And I shared, um, you know, we have this nonprofit, and oh, you know, given the whole little spiel. And then, she, and then I was sharing about the school, and she was like, oh, wow. So are you in education? Are you in education? And I was like, I mean, I guess so, since we have a school, but... And then she said, are you an educator? 
And I was like, no. And then she said, are you a teacher? And I was like, no. And then she said, did you go to school or college? And I was like, no. Hide my head, shrivel up in the airplane. You can't go anywhere. Go back to the bathroom or something. No, no, I'm not an educator. I'm not in education. I didn't go to college, and I don't have a teaching degree. But I do have a heart to come after the Lord. And I have a heart to be used. And if God wants to use me and my family and a team down there to do this school and ministry to him be the glory. Because here's what's awesome. When he uses people like us, he gets to get all the glory. Because we don't have a lot to boast about. And I think that is what is amazing about our Lord. And listen, as we close, and as we close with a song, I just want to encourage you guys with this. God loves you so much. And he's just here and he wants to use you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to take those worries and those fears and the things that don't make sense. Any of you got things going on in your life right now that doesn't make sense? This school that went from 53 to 93 and our budget skyrocketed does not make sense. And I don't know how it's all going to work out financially. Being the, the financial person and the administrator of the school, our director of the school, she said, do we need to be worried? And I said, about what? And she said, about money in this school and how much it's costing. And I said, well, on our flesh, we could be very worried. <laughs> but in the Lord, absolutely not. Like, why would God start something like that and then one day say, sorry, guys, I'm out of money is that his nature? No. no. That is not. But you know what the nature is? I think it's that stretching and that growing and that, oh, how is this going to work? People think it's crazy that we're adopting again. Our adoption, so we live in a third world country, we make way less than we did for our first adoption, and the adoption is more expensive. So there's nothing that makes sense about the current adoption that we were doing right now other than the Lord told us to do it. That's it. When you don't have a perfectly presented way to explain things, that's not a bad thing. You understand that? I think sometimes as believers, we want to be able to give the response. But it's okay to say, I have no idea. But my God does. And I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see how he provides. I'm excited to see how this turns out. I'm excited to see how he's going to pay these bills. I'm excited to see how he's going to change the life of my spouse or my kids who we've been praying for. I'm excited and believing that the Lord who does wondrous things, what he will do in my life and in my situation. And that alone 
should be enough reason for us to gather, to worship, to follow him, to come to him. Amen? So, Father, we want to do that, Lord. We want to come to you. I know a little bit later um, we're going to have a, uh, some more time of worship, but just as we close our service tonight, Father, you know every person and every situation that's taking place. God, you know every heart that might be struggling. Lord, you know those who are weary, those who are heavy laden. God, you know those who are struggling with an infirmity or marriages that are difficult. Lord, you know those who have been struggling with sin. And Lord, you've brought us here tonight. You have invited us here to come to you. To come boldly to a God. To come boldly into the throne of grace that we might find help and rest in time of need. And God, maybe there's some in here that they have yet to experience you. Maybe they came in here tonight and they have no idea why they showed up here. Or they've been coming and they don't know why they keep coming back. I would pray, Lord, that you would minister to their heart. Lord, it's a promise that your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So we are asking that. We are praying that. We are believing that this evening that you would fill us that you would have your way. This isn't just a closing song to wrap up the service. This is an intimate moment we have with the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the Creator and the Sustainer and the Savior of the world. So God, use this time to move in a way that only you can and in a way that you desire.